Are all the red lights on? Every all, single last one. All the red lights are on. Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. I am Chris. That over there is Saeed. We are Wild Stallions. There you go. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're missing uh, somebody. Yeah, Arun actually is in the hospital with salmonella poisoning, apparently digging out trash cans uh, for water bottles made from old monster cans. While also having a gout attack. Is not advisable. Yeah. So It's a fucked up situation. And and the the irony is we're gonna send him this to edit the show afterward so he can see us see no, us and hear man. us talking shit. No man, he's actually so Odin's up north, uh, visiting his in laws for the week, and I will be taking over all of his responsibilities. Uh, which he's visiting sack as he affectionately calls it <laughs> sack town. He's in the sack tonight. Yes. So uh, well, we're gonna go old school where the two of us are here. Just imagine like we're back in the day in the garage where. The weather would screw us routinely. Remember how hot it was in there? And the Tesla would just turn on. And it would just turn on randomly. I would sweat my ass off every single night. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this it's, is a much it's, better it's situation. Not a, not a good visual. Although I want to update the chairs eventually. I, I don't do, right? Them. I don't hate them. I don't I don't love the I want, chairs. I want a little swivel action. Oh, okay. You know, face you for a face off, come back to the camera. Maybe like a little lower. A little, as well, a like, little, a little, like a little really? lower. I feel like we get a lot of crotch. What if we had like one of those like Afghan tea houses with just cushions on the floor and we set a vibe? I would do that, but I'm a big ass dude and my hips don't function like I'm they sorry. used to, bro. I don't. Yeah, my my 90 90 mobility is not not there yet. No, no, I, mm, no. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure I got arthritis in my back. <laughs> like I, I was lifting weights today and I'm like, ooh, ooh, that feels weird. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a pulled muscle. That's just me being old. Yeah, yeah. It's like shit. So that was when I when you feel those you're like God I'm so far away from where I need to be. No, no, I'm not. I'm not far away from where I need to be. Yes, at all. you are, bro. Your hip mobility <laughs> takes a long time to it takes a long time to correct, my friend. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. The good news is is that um, at least I'm still going to the gym. I guess you know it could, yeah. be, it could be a lot different. You know, yeah, true. I took a, I took a break off. Some some guy was like, "How long? How long is it? You took a, the while off, right? I'm, how long was he's like? How long was it? I'm like, uh, two years." <laughs> and he looked at me just like. Oh, that wasn't a break. You just got fat. Yeah, what happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> so, and he basically did ask me what happened to me. He's yeah. like, you used to be shredded, bro. What happened? And I'm like, what? He goes, no, no, no. I see you all the time. So, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was no coming back for him or for me. I was yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I, I did. Yeah, I used to be good looking, too. Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> Nobody cares about the hair transplant at that point. Nope. All right. Well, tonight's show, we're going to do a little bit of recap. We're going to start off. Um, Talking a little bit about some of, the, some of the stuff that we talked about data-wise on episode 173, which drops for us tomorrow. By the time you hear this, it was on Tuesday. This one will drop on Friday. Mm-hmm. And the recap is important because we're going to build into a bit of a lead-up, if you will, into some interesting things that I think might be indicative of the impact on rates hiked to the economy and what this might mean for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Because there's obviously some really stressful things that could happen. We don't know what the catalyst for a recessionary economy would be. But we do know that things seem to be mounting from a data perspective. And then I started getting articles this weekend from people who were having insurance issues. And you and I both know, because, you know, the day jobs, insurance has become a real big problem. Yeah, across the country. Not just for the commercial real estate space, too. Single family as well. Single family as well. Most people who actually send me, send me these articles are single family residents. They're like mm-hmm. going like, hey, man, like, 
I can't get insurance on my place because of X and Y and Z. Yeah, some of the data on this is alarming. Yep, we'll get into that. Um, and then we'll get into, I guess, quantifying how much this really means to the market and what that can look like. I also have some really interesting charts there which kind of explain it. And Arun will have to pop those into the, the YouTube later on because I think there, there's a tremendous amount of value in seeing what these bar charts look like. They're effectively going damn near 45 degrees up every single year over year. Right. Which almost in some ways justifies the insurance industry a little bit. Like mm -hmm. their costs are legitimately going up. Mm -hmm. And then I had like a really morbid thought in this whole process. And I'll just give it to you now before we get there. And feel free to opine here. But um, I feel like we are seeing more natural disasters. Oh, they're ha happening more frequently? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're seeing more impactful hurricanes we're seeing more impactful, like, heat fire issues. Yep. Now, not all of this is, like, the world is ending kind of stuff. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, we are seeing more. It's happening more frequently, too. So it's taking, I mean, a toll on these insurance companies. And, uh, I mean, how many disasters can they actually withstand? Right? Uh, I mean, financially, I've always thought of insurance is one of the greatest Ponzi schemes known to man. Right. It's, like, legalized extortion in yeah. some ways. Because you think about it, you, you have to have it in order to drive your car. Yeah. You have to have it in order to get a loan for your house. Right. There's, there's a famous Chris Rock bit. He's like, insurance, in case shit happens, shouldn't I get my money back if it doesn't happen? Yeah, exactly. I gave you money in case this shit happened. Yeah. It didn't fuck happen. So give me, give me some of that back. You can keep the interest, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Like, give me, give me back the yeah, juice. Yeah, you, you made know? enough interest on this. Yeah, like, you carry balances for tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, or billions of dollars. Right. Okay? You can make some pretty damn good interest off that. Mm -hmm. Why do you get to keep the premium? Yeah. You insured for my risk if you incurred no loss. Right, right. This is the fucked up part about this. There's so many businesses that are like this. Mm -hmm. And then, um, well, you, you had some articles you want to talk about. They're all unemployment payroll related here. Is there anything else in, that I missed? Yeah, um, I have some stuff in there for insurance as well, and I'll find a way to weave it into the articles you have. Okay, well then, in order to cap the show, I thought, you know what? Hey, we're being really fucking negative lately. Oh, okay. Let, let's um, let's not be negative, which is outside of our character. I mean... Not exactly positive it's, people. It's hard to be. Someone told me, I can't listen to your show anymore, Chris. And I'm like, why? Said? And they go, no, 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 no. Uh, you guys are just so negative. So we need to sprinkle in a little positivity. Yeah, so I said, okay, I hear you. Okay. We're going to drop this article on you uh, talking about uh, how, to, how to get happy. America say these three things define wealth. Okay, none of them, none of them require actually making money, just for the record. Yeah. So even though there is a greater likelihood of you making less money over the course of the next couple of years, or if maybe it's a great investment opportunity, and you're going to make a ton of money in the next couple of years if you want to be the rosy optimistic type. Mm -hmm. Either way, we can talk about how to make you happy. Right. So, And we're going to do so. That's turning your frown upside down. Right. Because your health is your wealth. Brought to you by Transcend. Yeah. Hormone <laughs> replacement therapy for the masses. <laughs> No, this is not a pay that. <laughs> Don't get it confused. It is. It is. If you're looking, you have a more free product. <laughs> Just don't use Larry's discount code. We put that in the show notes for previous episodes. No Larry Wheels discount code for yeah, Transcend. Exactly. Not for him. Yeah. All right. Well, to kick it off, let's go down memory lane, shall we? Let's do it. This from CNN Business. New Commerce Department data released Thursday showed that consumer spending jumped 0.8% last month as shoppers shelled out for restaurants, live shows, toys, games, and recreational equipment. Mm. Which, that just had all sorts of thoughts just going on. What kind of recreational equipment are we talking about recreational here? Recreational equipment. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, I need wait. some examples there. I got lots of recreational equipment in my house, baby. Yeah. In any event, 
It's the strongest monthly spending gain since January. However, underlying data indicates this type of activity may be on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the show at any length of time, you know that we think it is, in fact, on borrowed time. The personal income and outlays report for July also showed that the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge, PCE, core inflation, remained high, but grew at a monthly rate that's more in line with the central bank's 2% target. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, PCE, showed that prices increased 0.2% on a monthly basis and 3.3% annually. You like how I soused up the annually? Yeah, yeah. Annually. When stripping out the more volatile energy and food prices, the core PC indices show prices increased at 0.2% from the month before and 4.2% for the 12 months ending in July. So that's your recap, effectively, what we talked about in the last episode, right? Well, so that's that should set the tone. Core inflation seems to be in line with the growth that you would need to have a 2%. Mm-hmm. Still higher than the Fed wants it to be. Still double what the Fed wants it to be. The troubling thing there that I don't think it's uh, spoken about enough. If you remember when this whole inflation battle really, uh, you know, became in headline news everywhere, CPI was at nine point one percent and PCE was you know relatively lower, right? Yeah. And um, that's because they report things differently. The Fed's preferred measure, PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Indices, right? That really, they prefer that more because they inter- they change out the basket of goods that they look at more frequently than uh, CPI does. And in addition to that, housing doesn't play as big of a component in there. And CPI take, makes up about 34%. In PCE, it really only makes up about approximately 18%. You know what? I just thought of something. Let's break this down in a really simple way for most people who hear the words inflation, core inflation, PCE a lot. Okay. And it can get confusing because the numbers seem to be a little bit weird. Yes. You'll hear month over month reporting a lot. It increased or decreased from the previous month. That is not necessarily the metric that the Fed is looking at. They're looking at an annual number, right? Year over year, which you heard me say earlier, quoting the article, 4.2%. Core. Core inflation, PCE, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, Chris, what does that mean? That means that these month-over-month inflation figures are taken over the course of 12 months. So if, let's say, from July to July, it was 4.2%, but let's say July had a big print the year before and August had a lower print, that means inflation is likely to go down unless we have a spike up in the number for the month-over-month figure. So you can kind of see where this is going ahead of time, which is why you'll hear some you know, negative Fed speak if they come out because they already kind of know where it's going to go. Because critics of inflation will say, okay, well, inflation last year in July was really high. It had a four-handle or a five-handle, and that's going to drop off, and the next month had a had a three-handle instead of a four-handle. Right. And they know that that average figure over time is likely to come down because this heavy inflation month on the tail end of the 12 months might be falling off. Right. So it's a really good way for you to get a feel for where economists are pulling the data from. Right. Is they're just looking at the year-over-year figure and breaking it down month-over-month to see what those averages would look like when the new print comes out. Right. And why this matters to everyone, right? I mean, everything costs more when the Fed funds rate is where it is. And we need to hurry up and get down to our target range so the Fed can, can, can eventually pivot from this current rate hiking cycle to their holding cycle to then ultimately, you know, 
approximately anywhere between five to 14 months uh, later, then they'll eventually start cutting again. So we, they need the Fed. What the Fed wants to see is that this inflation rate that we're talking about is on a downward trend, a linear line down, going down at a cadence fast enough to where they can r get off the brakes. They have they have said that we will pivot from our current position if we see it going down. It doesn't need to hit two percent in order for us to back off. We just need mm -hmm. to see that it's going to get there. And when you have prints that actually go in the other direction, it deviates from that linear path down. Yeah. Right. And that, that's going to be, I think, a consistent theme over the course of the next couple of months as the market really comes to realization. Although I will argue, and it's something we haven't argued about on the show a lot, but I started to think with GDP being print at like a 5.8 number, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Was it 5.8? 5.8 was the estimate like a week ago. Yeah, I haven't okay. checked this week. All right. So let's say GDP prints over five. Yeah. Okay, that that's a pretty healthy growth number. And then I'm like, wait a minute. How much money are we are we spending in the economy on things like releasing oil reserves, funding the Ukrainian war? Right. That all adds to GDP. There's so many tertiary things that are going on. I bet you real GDP is a lot lower. Mm -hmm. And it could have maybe at least suggested the Fed pause earlier. Right. Well, we know consumer spending makes up of seventy percent. Makes up of seventy percent. It does, but I would say that there's a lot of other money being spent. Absolutely. In addition to that, I don't know that things are as bad. But what I would say is, if if you're the president right now, okay, or in this case, whoever's really controlling him, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, and that's not a knock on on his political status. It's just he seems. A little Mitch McConnelly lately, you know what I mean. By the way, so I've, we've been doing the show now for like a year and a half. At least I've been on it for a year and a half. You done for two years? It's been yeah, right? two years. Yeah. Um, Ninety nine problems and Mitch ain't one is probably the best headline of all time. <laughs> That's got to be the best title of the show we had. Which will be the episode coming out tomorrow morning. <laughs> and uh, as much as I'd like to credit for it, I didn't even realize it was a thing until Saeed caught me on it. <laughs> right. I was like, oh yeah. shit, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's – the age of some of these politicians are so bad. We talked about it a little bit in the last show, but I went back and we done the rabbit hole of how old these are. The average age in Congress is old, right. man. The average age in the Senate is even worse. Should it, yeah, sh shouldn't be the representative. They, there's, no, there's nothing for them to relate to. They make it really tough to, like, bite your tongue. Yeah. And yet Pelosi's insider trading all day long. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. All right, according to Reuters – Full impact of Fed hikes still to be seen in real economy, ex-Vice Chair Blinder says. Mm -hmm. I feel like Blinder is not a strong name. <laughs> I mean, I see. I see where you're going. Like Blinder, Blunder, Blender, Blender. Yeah. When I first read it, I thought it was a typo. I'm yeah. just being honest. Blender? Yeah. 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 Like a blunder? You're right. There's a lot you can play with here. Exactly. It's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. Quoting uh, from the article, I think there's a lot more to be seen, Alan Blinder. Fed Vice Chairman between 1994 and 1996 told Reuters Global Markets Forum. God, that sounds like a badass forum. That? I'm part of Reuters Global Markets Forum. You imagine putting that on your resume? Yeah. Yeah. Although the IMF sounds cool as shit until you realize what they do. Yeah. International <laughs> Monetary Fund. We, all the funds. All the funds. Internationally, internationally known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boats and hoes. Internationally known all around the world. Oh. Yeah, and then you realize they suck. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shit talking going on there. 
Quoting again from the article, we're talking about historically average lags from monetary policy. And that's a really important sentence, so I'm going to read it again. We're talking about historically average lags from monetary policy to inflation of two to three years. So against that, if it's three months or four months faster, that's not a big deal. And suggests that there's still plenty to come, Blender added. I'll go on and then I'll explain what he's really talking about here. Blender, love saying his name. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. It's the best. Blender. Sounds like a chubby friend. <laughs> Blender? Yeah. Sounds like a... Uh, like a Seinfeld character. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Blender also said core inflation tends to react to monetary policy action at a slower pace than headline inflation, which we've seen. Which right? makes Which makes complete sense. And that coupled with the transmission lags means that the Fed should consider pausing rates for some time from here. Something that we've routinely said on the show. And why why it, there are significant lags to core inflation? Because we know, at least uh, for the last CPI print, housing re reflected 90% of that increase. Yeah, that was wild. And it takes time. takes time for rent and rent equivalent to come in and eventually for this number to come down. And... To make matters worse, you know, we cited on the last article that consumers are still out there spending. Home Depot came out last week and they said, you know, big ticket transactions above $1,000 were down 5.5%. I was in Home Depot today. Yeah. Returning some microwave light bulbs. You know, light bulb underneath the microwave? Yeah. Ours went out, got the wrong one. It's the whole thing. Uh-huh. So we go to return it, right? There was fucking nobody in Home Depot. I haven't seen Home Depot that empty in the middle of the day on a holiday, on a holiday Monday. Right. Normally packed. Yeah. Jam-packed. Nobody was in there. Scary, man. Yeah, nobody. There was me right? and some Chinese lady. So people are out there, you know, big-ticket items over $1,000. It kind of goes to an article we talked about uh, on previous episodes where people aren't out there now just remodeling their homes mm -mm. for, you know, stuff that— And now they're only fixing things that they need fixed, right? Like we talked about, I think roofing was was a, a big one, something that you can't, you can't skip out on that. Unless they own an Airbnb that you visited. <laughs> Yeah, we have, it's, we'll have to get into that. So um, this this past weekend, we went to Palm Springs. We stayed at one of those, like, Coachella houses, right? You know, you, just I want you to know, you describe it like that's a good thing. Well, it was it was beautiful. The home was gorgeous. Yeah, but you, the name and, of it, Coachella Houses, says it all. Yeah, yeah. You well, know that home well, has been used and abused. What happened inside this home, right, exactly. But a lot of things broke down inside this Airbnb, and... Luckily, luckily uh, for us, the um, the wives literally they all got together and they made the trip still amazing. The, nobody complained. Everyone was still on board. The kids. We looked around. The kids were still having a good time. So why 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 should we complain? So how much? So refrigerator went out. Refrigerator went out. Right. Uh, let's see what else. air conditioning for half the house went out. Um, and mind you, this all got fixed while we were there. But who wants people working on the Airbnb like while you're there? Right. Yeah. Um, the pool filter went out. Like, wait, we went there to go swimming in the pool. What happened? How many days right? of swimming did you get in? One. How many days are you there? Three and a half. Oof. Yeah. There was also a flood watch, right? So there was leaks in the house. I mean, all kinds of problems. Was it raining while you were there? As we got there, yeah. It was. There was a, a wild storm, and I had to have thought like, remember that hurricane that hit, and mm -hmm. it, it hit that county pretty hard. Had to have had some impacts on the home. Oh, for sure it did. Right. Yeah. But luckily, um, like when the fridge went out, we decided to just cook all the food. 
right? And we had coolers and we iced it all. And everyone just got on board. It was like we all started working together. So it, it, it actually worked out okay. It was a nice, like, story. We can all laugh about it later. Mm. But. You know who's laughing about it right now? The guy you paid and didn't give you a refund. <laughs> oh, we're, that, we're still on a mission to get that. Don't worry. And how much of a refund do you expect to get? Uh, I was on top of it, so I'm a.k.a. my wife. So mm-hmm. I think she's going to do pretty good. She's got a good batting record when it comes to these kind of what, things. How much does she want? What does she want? What's her? Three days you were there, right? Three nights? Yeah. yeah. How much do you want? What, what's the number At to make half, you whole? At least half, bro. At least half. half. At least half. He's going to be like, bro, you stayed three days. It's what's going to happen, ultimately, Airbnb is just going to give us a credit. That's what's going to We're not going to get any money back. I already know. But giving us a credit, I mean, it's not like that's the last Airbnb we're ever going to go to. But should it be? Hmm? No. No. I've had, if I go to 10 Airbnbs and nine of them were great and this is the only bad one, I'm not going to let that ruin everything. And what if these Airbnb arbitrage guru course sellers are taking on more and more properties and more and more Airbnb properties are underperforming? Well, a lot of the ones that we stay at tend to have significantly, like, well, good reviews. So, but the one you said at this weekend didn't that have good reviews? It it did have good reviews, and it seemed like we just got the short end of the stick on this one. Everything decided to go out at once. So, um, I, I'm I'm gonna roll the dice again, definitely, and we're gonna go again because it just makes more sense. The kids have way more fun this way, and the adults can have fun at the end of the night when the kids go down. Otherwise, you stay at a hotel room, everyone put the kids on your room. You can't leave your hotel room. No, I get it. Did you leave the house at all? No. All weekend long, you sit there. No, that's that was the whole point of getting a nice big house. The house was it had it had everything, man. It had uh, a little putting green. It had this like soccer pool table in the backyard for like soccer balls, but they made it like into like a, a pool table. Um, what else did it have? It had cornhole. It had obviously the pool, the spa that we couldn't get to use, but we should have been able to use. Um, all kinds of stuff. They had a pool table inside the house. Mm. Yeah, they had a PS Five. We brought our Nintendo Switches. It was supposed to be like a a, a weekend for the kids. How much alcohol do you drink? Too much. Oh my god. Really? Do <laughs> I, I, I look puffy? Yeah, you look puffy. Yeah. I didn't want to be that. I didn't Dude, be that guy. But yeah. I drank so much alcohol, but every night I woke up no hangover. You know why? I just I've never been a tequila drinker, and I don't know if it's the tequila that makes me wake up and not have a hangover, but it's probably the shrooms. I did not have any shrooms, <laughs> just because we stayed in a Coachella house. All those just, recreational drugs you're taking. <laughs> You chop them up and snort them, or how'd you, how'd you do it? <laughs> no, man. But I actually, got, I got a, a crash course on that stuff, and man, some people they can handle some serious dosages. So I'm going to tell you right now, this is not a shrooms transition. Just for the record, I'm going to tell you right now, I've gotten to the point where, and I I like drinking. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just don't sleep well when I do it. Really, my sleep is fucked when I drink. Man, I slept like a baby. It has to be a re- like a baby. <laughs> Really? I slept so well. And I got to sleep next to I slept next to Adam all weekend. So that was that was fun. Mm. Cuz the way the rooms the way the rooms were situated, um they had they had a few bed a few rooms with just king size beds and we're like we can't sleep four in a king size bed. It's too, it's Adam and Ari have gotten too big now. So we need two beds. So we had to take a room that had two queens. Uh. Yeah. So I got to sleep next to Adam all weekend so that was good. Cuz I feel like that's going to come to an end pretty soon. He's getting older. Maybe. He's getting older. I put Carter to bed and I was sleeping in his bed with him before I came here. Yeah. It's a twin, though. Yeah. I don't have the, the width that you do. <laughs> Is that ah, a fat joke? No, no. <laughs> yes. No, that's a booty joke. That's a booty joke. <laughs> so, I barely fit in the damn bed. It's crazy. Um, back to real quick to consumer spending is something that I wanted to touch on that I th- I think is 
I think everybody knows about, but it's not talked about enough, you know, and spending habits are extremely hard to break, which is why I think, you know, you see these reports of consumer spending uh, still being up, you know, month over month, right? Advertising and marketing plays a huge role in this. And people don't understand that it's how much of it just becomes part of their daily routine, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get very personal on this one. And I, <laughs> so it'll be interesting. This year, um, I've given up on my salary from my W two day job. Yes. Uh, five hundred and ten thousand in what would otherwise be normalized salary that I would take home. I'm mm-hmm. um, probably lost that much, if not no, probably no more. I've lost more than that in stock value because the way the stock price is traded down. Yeah, and. So it's like a million dollars negative, right, for the year. And I don't normally sell stock unless I'm paying taxes, but this year taxes in, in October. So, um, but I will say this is the first time I can remember in my adult life where I've had to sit down and think about spending again. Right. And that was actually something that I, I was going to bring up on the show because for someone like you in, in your position mm. to now get to this point. Right, where you have to, okay, no, I have to sit down and actively think about the things that we're spending money on when this is not something you've had to do for quite some time. I've always had enough excess cash flow coming in to where it didn't matter what we spent. Right. At the end of the month, like everything was could be pushed to the side. Yes. So it's not that it's not that we're I mean, I'm not I'm not complaining. We're not hurting. I'm not I'm not doing that. No, no, you no. You know, no, I'm no. not what I'm saying is is it got to the point where we didn't have to be thoughtful about the money because there was always enough to invest and mm. put away. Right. You know, and now I know that there isn't like a big bonus coming at the end of the year. I know that there's not a, the the you know excess cash flow coming in every single month. I mean, that's it's a pretty big difference, you know, number wise. Mm-hmm. So I look at what my wife and I spend, and we have a very humble life. You know, seventeen hundred dollars a month for a mortgage payment. Many of our peers are literally paying ten times that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, all the homes that we have rented out and all the property we have rented out, it all cash flows positive, right? Again, not complaining, but at the end of the day, I know how different it is for us. And I have to think like the average consumer has to be feeling at least that, they right? Feel, they feel it. And I, what I'm afraid of, and I, and I think I, I know it has to be true. I know I've talked to enough, you know, fam, family, enough friends to know that there's a lack of motivation there for some people, or a fear of changing, having to give give up the the small little wins that they feel. I don't think most people cognitively think about it at all. No, they or they're intentionally choosing to ignore it because they know yeah. they know. I mean, we we referenced an article. This article will forever stay with me. That there was a certain percentage of people out there just choosing to ignore their bank statements or their credit card statements. Oh yeah, remember that one? Yeah, and that was so. They didn't want to log into their account because they they're they're afraid to even see it. Yeah, right. And that that has to go with. There's a lack of motivation there, a fear. They don't want to give up the little wins that they've experienced throughout the day, whether that's, I mean, everyone and their mama's out there talking about give up your, you know, $5 Starbucks drink so that you can save X amount of dollars. But like, I to, hate that fucking philosophy so I, goddamn much. I know. Like the little small idiosyncrasies in life that, that give you joy. Like you shouldn't have to sacrifice those. Right. You should be able, you should be able but to. But don't go buy stupid shit. Exactly. I mean, it's a simple trade-off, right? right? Have your coffee. Don't buy dumb shit. Right. And be and be more aware of, 
you know, what's being advertised and marketed to you. So the long running joke on the show is Saeed didn't have social media for a long time. And look, now he has it now. Because right? you got in trouble for the usage of it. Because I got in trouble. No, I yeah, didn't. I mean, all those sites you were visiting. Oh, yeah. Right. All of them. Yeah. yeah. But a big part of that had to do eventually when we first, my wife and I first started was, okay, we don't want this because we don't want the drama. But as, you know, the years went by and you heard the amount of money being dumped in to get you addicted, right? And once yeah. you get addicted to that, there are companies out there advertising trying to get you addicted, right? And they know the algorithms. The algorithms are there for a reason, Yeah. right? I mean, look at just fast food chains. All the additives they, yeah. all the additives they throw in there to make their products more addictive, right? You look at tobacco. You look at social media platforms. What makes you think it's not in everything that you do? A great book on that topic is Salt, Sugar, Fat. Okay, I read that book. It fucking blew me away. It was I had just gotten really into Mind Pump, and I started listening to the guys, and started to kind of figure out that maybe the way I was brought up eating wasn't right. Right, and then. Somebody who was really into fitness casually mentioned the book to me. Didn't think anything of it. I went to a bookstore, and I just happened to see it. White book with you know, salt, sugar, fat in the front. It's hard to miss. I think, I think I've seen this before, right? And I, I bought it on a whim. Mm -hmm. I read the whole thing almost cover to cover in, in two days. Fucking blew me away the things that this country did in the name of money. Mm -hmm. And it, it started with a lot of what the tobacco companies did. And they deploy that same logic into food. I mean, it makes sense. Why wouldn't you, right? Find a way for it to work for you. I remember I remember spreading the financial statements of, uh, like, a business financials uh, for the first time when I, as a credit analyst, you know, at the bank and seeing a line item for research and development and seeing the amount of money, the amount that mm -hmm. expense took up of their expenses. Yep. And I'm like... Like, yeah, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they research and find out what it is exactly to grow our product even more? Yeah. And if that means preying on everything that you're either insecure about or some stuff that they can trick your mind into reducing more dopamine, right? Well, you want to hear a fucked up philosophy that I've developed over the last couple of years that I don't openly share normally? Okay. There is nothing truly fucking novel anymore. Mm. Okay? We, we see all these people on social media and the internet and television like going, oh, that that person's just, it's puffery, it's it's a scam or it's bullshit. That's the only way to get big now is if you don't lie and like blow things up. What are you really going to provide somebody they can't get somewhere else for free now? How are you going to get in front of their eyes or into their ears, right? So Without you got to be some over the top big fucking figure who's over you know extreme because that's the only way you're going to get eyes on you. And then product wise, there's very very few products that are truly fucking unique anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mean to be an asshole, but other than like Ozempic, yeah, you know, name something truly unique that has happened chemically in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. There hasn't been a lot there. We're not looking to change the way we eat, which by the way, is the real fundamental fucking problem. Dude, it's, this isn't just in the products and the things that we consume. This is in your politics. Yeah. Everyone wants the extreme right or the extreme left. Nobody, when 80% when of us are right in the middle. You're not if you if you are unique, and if you are novel, you don't get elected. Even Trump, love him or hate him for what he is, okay. And I'm don't have an opinion really one way or the other. Frankly, I, I think the whole political situation in this country is fucked. That's my political opinion. Mm -hmm. But that being said, he wasn't a Republican. He just chose that because he wanted to win. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And that, that it's just, there's, we have a lot, there's so much access to information and so little privacy now that it's just all out there. And when it comes to food, it comes to life, it comes to choices, it comes to money. There's very few things that are truly novel anymore. But everybody wants to sell you something that sounds novel. Yeah. And that's what everybody wants to buy, too. It's true. It's true. And the impacts to this and to the consumer, I feel like it's going to be damaging for years and years to come. Right? Because they were they were sold this idea that, you know, there's still going to be second half of the year growth. So maybe they were kind of banking on that. You know, they were talking about two or three rate cuts by the end of the year. Didn't get that, right? Now, at least we're at a point now where I think it's over a 90% chance that the Fed won't raise rates uh, in September, right? It's 93%. And 70% chance that they won't raise rates again for the, for the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's right? probably about right. Probably right. And, ho- and hopefully that's right, okay? The data seems to be going that way. Right. And, and the, that jobs report that came out. The jolts. The jolts and the, the and the August jobs report, right? The non-farm payrolls. Yeah. When that came out, that's going to be something that can really help the Fed lean that way if that's what they truly want. Because we know, you and I know, we've gone through it enough on the show. The listeners know this just predetermined. Right? A little bit, yeah. So if that's what they decide to go with, so here here's some of the numbers on the jobs report that came out: hundred eighty-seven thousand jobs added for the month of August. It beat expectations of one hundred seventy thousand. But the good thing here, for the Fed's sake. Unemployment went up from 3.5 to 3.8 percent. They had revised their projections earlier this year to, you know, 4.1 percent unemployment by the end of the year. So we're getting there. We're getting to their projection point, meaning that's probably headed in the right direction for them. Also, fun fact: unemployment typically peaks after the end of a declared recession. Yeah. So seeing it go that direction does not mean that we are safe or out of the woodwork as far as unemployment numbers go. Right. And if you believe all the, you know things that we've referenced on the show that's sounding the alarms, like the inverted yield curve and mm-hmm. everything else that a recession is looming, right? Then this number is going to, unfortunately, going to continue to go up. And this is what makes the the Fed's job so difficult because that's a fact that they know that unemployment peaks after a recession has been declared. And one of their main job function is to provide maximum employment. Can you, can you, <laughs> can you imagine being one of the, listen, I make a lot of jokes. I poke a lot of fun at chairman powell i fuck around neil kashkari a lot yeah you know waller all of them i make jokes mm-hmm. i'm an asshole that's what i do You're called messer of a male i mean it does <laughs> sound like a very aggressive male dominant last name right <laughs> miss mrs mester yeah mr mr mester. that sounds about that's, right that sounds authoritative yeah yeah anyway it, it's just she should she could mesterous. be authoritative but she could be authoritative too she's very mysterious miss <laughs> <laughs> <I saw laughs> anyway yeah um I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of what the Fed's done from a communication standpoint. Right. Okay. I don't know why, and maybe one day they'll explain why they took the unusual bell curve tact of 25 base points, 25 base points, 50 basis points, 75, 75, 75, 50, 25. It's unusual. Instead of just going 25 basis points, 50 basis points, or even 75 basis points consistently. Mm-hmm. Like if they would just explained it, I'd be probably a happier camper today. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do any of that. They, they didn't tell us. They just did these things and then tried to give us one meeting or one Fed interest rate increase notice ahead of it. Oh, expect this, market. Ho, oh, whoa, whoa. Expect, right. expect this. So don't freak out. Exactly. Yeah. I, maybe maybe when we hit the logic one day, we'll feel better about it. But can you imagine? They are literally doing things 
they know will ultimately bring home values down, bring interest rates back up, bring unemployment back up, bring wages back down. And that's if they do it right. Right. If they do it a little bit too right, all those things go into extremes. And they've already said, they've already said, we would rather overcorrect than undercorrect. Overcook, undercook. Right. Right? <laughs> right. They would rather overcorrect than undercorrect. Can you imagine? It's almost like you are designing your wife's hatred of you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You already know that they're going to hate you for all of this. I know she's going to hate all of this. Yeah. In 10 years, but I'm going to deal with that shit when I get there. <laughs> it's true. That's good. It's it's a really messed up position for them to be in. So it's almost like if they do a shitty job, but everybody's happy, they didn't do their job right, but everybody's happier. They but, do their job right, and everybody hates them. And people are going to have to pay the price way later if they don't do their job right. It, yeah. That, unfortunately, that, that that is what it is, right? Because you can't have inflation... At these levels, I guess for, for some people out there in the economy, you know, to them, they can live with this. You know, they can continue going at, at whatever pace they're going at so long as if the wages that they're getting continue to go up. Right. I would argue they can't. I would argue that the the lack of affordability in the home market mm -hmm. is the long term implications of what we're seeing here. Right. And I don't think the consumer can live with it because if people forget you might own a home right now. You might have a ton of equity. Mm -hmm. Where the fuck are you going to buy right now? Yeah. Let's say you had to sell your home or you wanted to sell your home. Let's say you want to upgrade. You're going to double your rate in a more expensive home? Like, what? how much your payment is going to? It's true. The, the math just doesn't work out here. And we're going to get into the affordability issue when we when we get to the insurance articles here. because That's that, next up for that, me. Yeah. That's next up. But the last thing that I want to bring home with um, this jobs report, you know, uh, there's a guy over at the Wall Street Journal. His name is Dion Rubin. Um Awesome guy. He's got his own YouTube page too. I highly recommend everybody oh. go over there and checking him out. Um, he he did some some research that I thought was pretty insightful here, and goes back to everything that we believe in. Why you why we do not like this jobs report? Okay, this year dating back, he only went as far back as 1980. He said, "I stopped." He stopped there. I'm not I'm not going back. This is the first year where every month this year. They've revised it downwards. Every fucking month. I'm telling you, it's political conspiracy since, bullshit. Since 1980, this has never happened. And it'll, well, I'll, I'll, let me take Seeking, it back. He Seeking said, Alpha did a great for, fucking article. I'll say for, for, the, for a full year, I, I should say. Yeah. So if this continues for the full year. So basically what he was saying is. They revise it down twice every month. Twice, exactly. So for the, for the report that came out in July, it was revised down a, to 157,000. Right, that was revised. That thirty thousand jobs were removed in June, down a hundred thousand. In May, down fifty-eight thousand. These are big fucking swings, man. Big swings when you're talking about. Look, for August, they said they added one hundred eighty-seven thousand jobs. I Imagine swinging reports. it down a hundred thousand. It's like it it paints a completely different picture of the economy. Why would they do this? Well, Be because if you're president and you're sitting and you want to get reelected and you're a Democrat thinking, ah, oh, shit. Our president isn't the best-looking dude on the stage right about now. Bidenomics, baby. Yeah, Bidenomics. Vice president might be dead. Haven't seen her forever. Mm -hmm. right? I have no idea if Kamala Harris is even human at this point. He's like, what's going on with her? Where's she at? I mean, why why, why is she so un like unable to get in front of a camera to replace him in certain circumstances? I don't know. Whatever the case may be, fine. Okay? You're a Democrat. Keep that GDP up. Keep, keep funding that Ukrainian war. 
keep dumping the U.S. oil reserves. Right. Keep selling it off, baby. Right. So Keep the GDP up. So I wanted to ask you, given the fact that we now know this, every single month this year, this, this report has been revised downwards. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? What do you mean? What is it? So I was thinking like, okay, this is a good thing for the Fed to see. Right, this is something that the Fed will want to see if they fucking acknowledge it, man. Have, I'll put it this way: Can you name one time you've seen anywhere in the internet, social media, television? I don't care where, anywhere where anyone's openly talked about the revision down, other than articles like this that call it out for being bullshit. I, I, I think occasionally I, I was first brought onto it. I think I saw somebody on uh, Yahoo Finance talk about it, but it was it was so like under the rug, like yeah. just brushed it off and just on to the next topic. And I said, hold on, hold on, go back. I want to hear more about this. And um, it, but here's who here's who it's bad news for: the businesses out there that are operating off this data mm. that the economy is still strong and they're holding on by a thread, dude. Yeah. Right, praying that this shit turns around. And okay, oh good, dad. Okay, the economy's still thriving. You know, and they're being spewed by all these talking heads, all this information of it's going to be OK. End of the year still going to be OK. Next year, they're going to be rate cuts. And you're like, come on, man. I'll tell you right now, I, it changed my perspective dramatically during the March 9th, March 10th banking contagion run, that whole thing, the, mm -hmm. the deposit run. I was looking at some of these talking heads and listen, to this, and I'm a banker. I, look, I don't know. I'm not an economist. OK, I admittedly am not. There's a lot of things I'm still learning as yeah, we go Yeah, we joke along. about it on the show all the time. We're all still learning yeah, here. I'm a moron. I know that. There's a lot of things I don't I'm not the world's greatest attorney. There's some stuff that like, people will say shit to me. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds good. That's about right. Yeah, I mean, it sounds legal. <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, a legalese. Yeah. Why don't you talk to a real attorney? Like, I'm not the world's best. <laughs> but I know, you know, the basics. Yeah. But when it comes to the banking stuff, I'm pretty tight. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> I'm pretty tight. I'm pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But also, but we'll say like this, without throwing, throwing too much shade at us, I, I, I'm confident in saying that we don't talk about shit unless we feel like it's fact and it's true and we know it. We're oh, no, so, I'm, yeah. we read about no, it. No, we, we read about it, it, we study it, we make sure we go over So we're not saying that we're morons and just spewing you like... Yeah, I can openly tell you there's, there's areas that I know that I could improve. The accounting side, for example, and you've heard me about, talk about it on previous shows, mm -hmm. I could definitely get a lot better with my accounting skills. Right, understanding the yeah. loopholes. Yeah, yeah, not even that, just understanding like basic gl maintenance sometimes i'm yeah. just like i have to like google shit yeah it's fine but anyway when i heard the talking heads on television on social media and everybody talking about the banking sector and to see how fucking clueless they were mm. it, it struck a chord with me that'll forever change the way i think about people on these shows mm -hmm. they don't know what they're talking about in a lot of circumstances and i'm sure they have some subject matter expertise but a lot of time look at jim kramer that fucking guy has been wrong. True story. The Jim Cramer Fund. Inverse. No, no. There, there's a Jim Cramer Fund, which invests in the things he says. Not the inverse. Oh, Kramer yeah. Fund. Okay, no, there's, there's both. There's a exactly. regular Jim Cramer Fund. Right. Has shut down because it fucking sucks. But the inverse Cramer Fund is thriving. Going to the moon, baby. Let's go, baby. Inverse Cramer to the moon. And this is a guy who's got a television show, who's got decades in the space. Mm -hmm. And he's completely full of shit. This is the same guy... Who called Sam Bankman Freed the fucking Wonder Boy? <laughs> he did. He did. He's I so impressive. He's so impressive. Mm. Now, <laughs> back in prison for witness tampering. God damn. God damn. And there's a whole thing I didn't even get into about how he he was meeting. He bought a bank 
Sam Bankman-Fried actually bought a bank without getting the Fed's approval. Farmington Bank something? Yeah, some random small some random bank. Shit. Yeah, it just, he's like, I'm going to buy this shit. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And then how much time did he get? That was crazy. When, you, when I saw this, I could not believe it. He got an hour with JP? An hour with Jerome Powell. A sit-down meeting. Most people barely get 15 minutes. This little shit, yeah. witness tampering asshole, yeah. gets an hour with Jerome Powell. Scary, man. And I know what the conversation was. Hey, man. Hey, Jerome. I need you to be head of my risk management yeah. division. How much is government job paying you, dog? Come on, dog. Come on, man. You know it. Come on, man. You know I got you. Look. You're not trying, you're not, you're not trying to play catch with Tom Brady? You got a friend in me. <laughs> okay? You got a friend in me. Tom wants to meet you. I'll be your, I'll be your Woody to your buzz. Come to Puerto Rico. Okay? <laughs> I know you like it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, what was it? What was this girl's name? I always forget her name. Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn here. She's throwing parties, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know she looks simple, <laughs> but she's really into Dumbledore, bro. <laughs> you know, JB knows Dumbledore too. <laughs> what? Harry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's Hermione at? Yeah, yeah, the next slide out. Yeah, you know they were role playing all. To- anyway, whatever. All right. Speaking of which, off topic. Before we get into the insurance thing, I went to uh, Universal Studios. Uh-huh. What a fucking shithole, man. Shithole. Who likes that place? Yeah, I know. I hadn't been there in a long time too, but I'm did Carter like it? I mean, we went on four right Yeah, I mean, I guess he kinda it was too hot, way too crowded, mm. way too much alcohol in the park. Wait, you went that's all the, you also chose to go on a weekend, man. I did not choose shit. I'm I just do what I'm told. <laughs> yeah. I work for my wife. Don't get it confused. Yeah, you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna be She out put it on the calendar. I knew my hours that day. Right. Like, I'm assuming I'm assuming you guys made it to Nintendo World or whatever yeah, it's called. You couldn't bring the strollers inside. It's too small. Oh. Uh, so but it, it looks crazy though, right? Well, we went with what they were able to design. No, it's impressive. It's it's, yeah. it's very cool, but they fuck you every which way from Friday. You want to tap the boxes and do the power ups? Gotta buy the watch. You gotta buy the band. Got Forty something dollars. Forty eight dollars with hold, tax. And hold on, I'm not gonna let my son and daughter have it and not me. I gotta have one too. No, I didn't get it. I had to do it. I didn't get it. Uh, I gotta they gotta experience it. We gotta experience it together. I didn't, I didn't get it. You know what I did? What? So stupid. We went there, and for whatever reason, I looked outside that morning. It was cloudy. I decided to wear a hoodie. I got there. It was like 90 degrees. Bro, same thing with us. It was it was a cool 70 degrees on the way up there. Yeah. I wore all black. Yeah. Like a jackass. Like a jackass. Right? And then I go, I have to buy a $50 t-shirt or something crazy. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, I didn't. I sweated out. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm losing weight. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a wrestler right now. I'm, <laughs> my wife's like, do you want water? I'm like, yes. All the waters. All the Exactly. And then I started drinking alcohol. She's like, I thought you weren't drinking. I'm like, that's going to feel better than than, yeah. than this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Well, so wait, you guys did that. What else did you guys do? Did you guys do any, was he able to ride on anything else? So first of all, they have the express lanes there. They're priced so fucked up. I didn't see, I didn't, we, so I'll be honest. We didn't, I don't want, I don't want to make you feel bad. What? So, so we went last, last year, it was like a school day. It was Adam's birthday. Uh. And we pulled him out of school that day. We took him. And there was like five minute lines. I, I believe that. I didn't. I didn't have to deal with. It. And it was the middle Bro, of the week. It was two hour lines for everything. It's that's. And then check this out. So we so uh, we hear there's express passes that work for most of the rides, right? But it's 175 dollars to upgrade each ticket. At Disneyland, you can pay to go on like one ride, like 30 bucks, mm-hmm. or you can get like a you know like a magic pass, whatever it is, and go through all. And my wife routinely does that stuff all the time, but it's priced right. Well, there's still crowds in both lines, but it's still definitely shorter, right? Right. So it's two twenty five for unlimited times three, on top of our ticket prices. 
on top of the extortion, right? So we do it, and bro, still waiting long lines. There's nobody in those lines because nobody's stupid like us to pay for those things. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. But it was so hot and so far towards the end of the day. By the time we did it, yeah, that we went on. We went on that uh, the studio tour. The uh, coolest thing about the studio tour because they're on fucking writer strike. Uh, Ain't nobody on the lots. Oh, wow. Right? So we get there, and I'm like, oh, seven bucks productions. The door's closed. That's cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. I mean, so it was an hour. I didn't realize it was an hour-long studio tour. Oh, I didn't. About an hour long. We didn't do that. So then it's a little later. We didn't go on any of the cool, like, mm. new stuff. Like, Mario that. Kart had, like, a two-and-a-half-hour wait, man. You didn't do that? Two-and-a-half-hour wait? Bro. You went all the way there. You didn't do Mario Kart? No. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty sick. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I mean, you didn't miss much, honestly. You didn't even do that. That looks insincere as shit on your face right now, you yeah, asshole. I feel bad. We didn't yeah. do the Harry Potter thing. Who does Harry Potter, though? You like Harry Potter? Sam Bakeman Free does. You like Harry Potter? Be <laughs> honest. You like huh? Harry Potter and you don't like Game of Thrones? I, I grew up with the Harry Potter franchise. Come on, man. Game of Thrones, I was already a grown-ass man. So were you, which makes you arguably kind of immature. <laughs> immature? I'm just saying, man. Game of Thrones... Was basically softcore porn with dragons. No, man. That was like, that was probably the last TV show where, like, as a nation, everyone gathered around and decided to watch the show. Don't make me the weird human here. You you are the weird human. Please, you're watching 16,000 episodes of Scrubs or some shit. What are you watching? Scrubs, don't say, don't, hey, that's messed up. It's better better than some shit, okay? It's Grey's Anatomy. Put some respect on it. Put some respect on my name. Go, oh, no, you should watch Ted Lasso. You would love Ted, Ted Lasso. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm going to do that after this. I'll give you that bootleg login. When I retire <laughs> in a couple of years. <laughs> you got another 16 seasons to go, bro. You're good. Yeah. All right, let's, stay on, let's stay on point for a minute because this insurance stuff is impactful. Yeah. I've been seeing it all over the office, underwriting multifamily commercial real estate. I've seen it in the single-family world. It started with the fires on the West Coast and kind of bled out to uh, to the East Coast with the hurricanes and everything else. Ironically, it hasn't been a lot of the earthquake-related stuff Yet. in the last couple of decades. Let's knock on some wood here. Well, well, I'll say this. I mean, for us in, in California, you got to get separate earthquake insurance, so it's not... Yeah, and it's, and it's never economically viable in a commercial setting. It's going to destroy your cash flow because it's just so costly. Right. But we could have lived with that, at least on some part. But I'll tell you, with the interest, the cost change in the interest that people are paying in the combination affordability is just so so gone so this from a washington post article actually i'm gonna read um yeah i'll read that one first fight fuck it uh washington post article home insurers cut natural disasters from policies as climate risk grows okay and i don't like the idea so again i i fully acknowledge climate change and i, I can say my in my lifetime, the temperature, like the things that we're experiencing, are different. Now, do I know that that's because of carbon monoxide and what we're doing as humans to the environment, or has this been a cyclical pattern over time, going back to the dinosaurs, where the Earth has had pattern changes? Right. I know the one. I don't know either, and I'm not an expert. I don't know enough about this to you know to really talk about it. But when the first thing that comes to mind is when they say it hasn't been this hot in over 40 years, you're like. Well, what was going on forty years ago? Yeah, I mean, we all. <laughs> I mean, there it was. It was better back then, right? Right. So yeah. it was hot back then too. So that's the part where it gets a little. Well, confusing. Summertime's like seventy-five degrees back then. I don't get it. Would I still gotten fucked at Universal Studios? <laughs> like I'm just trying to figure out what happened. You know, hundred percent. Like in the twenties was like, ooh, this is it was chilly. Yeah, it's a solid fifty-five. Exactly. 
Um, in the aftermath, in the aftermath of extreme weather events, major insurers are increasingly no longer offering coverage that homeowners in areas vulnerable to those disasters need most. At least five large U.S. property insurers, including Allstate, American Family, Nationwide, Erie Insurance Group, and Berkshire Hathaway, fucking Buffett, this guy pulling out his eight billion dollars now. This shit, this guy, what a baller! Dude. So he has he has the insurance on the back end, and he's selling you the other shit on the front end to, that makes you need the insurance. Yeah, he gives you the dirty birdie every time. Every time. They have told regulators that extreme weather patterns caused by climate change have led them to stop writing coverages in some regions, excluding protections from various weather events and raise monthly premiums and deductibles. Mm. Major insurers say they will cut out damage caused by hurricanes, wind and hail from policies underwriting property along with coastlines and in wildfire country. I'm, I'm just stunned by what's going on here. So, mm-hmm. no hurricane, no wind, no hail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Property along coastlines, West Coast, East Coast, you know, South yeah. Texas area, and in wildfire country, which, which is a lot of California, by the way. Which is a big deal for us too out here in, in California because we always have had the wind and hail included yep. in, in this coverage. And, well, in the Midwest, this might be impactful for me too. According to a voluntary survey conducted by the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, a group of state officials who regulate rates and policy forms. So I've got property in the Midwest. Mm. Ironically, none of my insurers have pulled back on wind and hail coverage, but that's how you justify getting property in the Midwest because if there's a tornado that goes through there. Mm. Now, I will say this is interesting because they're not really focused on earthquakes. They're not really focused on tornadoes. Hurricanes. They are focused on hurricanes and wildfires. Right. I don't know how much damage has has happened to Florida so far in Hurricane Idalia. Is that was that the name of the it? Last one. This last one. Yeah. I think it remains it remains to be seen. But I had some stats here from an insurance. You insurance. were talking about Hillary on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some uh, the national average for home insurance based on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar dwelling coverage increased this year by twenty percent. Yeah, that's it's on, not just that, dude. Healthcare is going up too, man. Bro, hold on. That's the average. Yeah. What does that mean? That means there's a high end to that and a low end. What is the high end at? I know people in the high end home market who've got like $40, 50000000 million homes mm-hmm. who've literally called me and said, dude, it doesn't matter what I pay. They will not cover me. Right. And you're like, well, shit. What right. are you going to do? I had one guy go, I'll just give you, um, what's my replacement cost new? And I go like, I don't know, like $20 million. Right. He goes, I'll just give you $20 million in cash to hold in reserve account. And you're like. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So that's something I think worth noting um, that these insurance coverages tend to, what do they tend to usually cover? What, what are you looking for, right? You have a certain amount that covers, you know, the building, right? And you have a certain amount that's allocated to the contents of the home, right? Um, so some, enough that'll cover some damage, even some theft, right? Yeah. But what a, a lot, lot of insurance fraud goes down in that, in that theft and home coverage policy. Yeah. But what, what you're starting to see a lot of now is now it's not only are people not able to afford the premiums, the new updated premiums that are, you know, are going up by on average 20%, but insurance companies themselves are so afraid of what inflation has done and what can happen with some of these natural disasters like hurricanes that they're just not even renewing policies. Yeah. They're just telling you, hey, you're out of luck. Once the policy expires, you're out. Yeah. And so I found this interesting too. Um a buddy of mine was hit really hard in Tampa by the last hurricane that went through in Florida. Yeah. 
and he just bought his home, first time home buyer. Uh, and it was pretty high. It was like three, four feet up in his home, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, look, we don't even know if we can rebuild because if the total loss is above 50% of the value of their insurance replacement cost new. So I should point out the value of your home, let's say it's a half million dollar home. The insurance replacement cost new effectively is what would it cost to rebuild this property new? That is the most amount of insurance you're going to get. And that's typically less than the value of the home, particularly in an area where there's a high land value for the home, right? So that being said, they don't know if they're going to rebuild this home, tear it down, what they're going to do right now. But then he started breaking down the other things that are outside of his policy that I never really thought about. He's like, my car was in the garage. My car's not covered. Ugh. He's like, um, I got a golf cart. He's like, I've got all sorts of things in the house that, that like my couches are gone. You know, TVs, appliances, the ones that were off the wall, you know, high up enough on the wall, they're okay. But all the electrical in the house is gone. So like, anything that shorted out is gone. And he goes, well, where am I going to stay? Mm-hmm. I have to get a hotel. How long am I going to be in a hotel for? A long ass time. Yeah. It's not like when you have your car damaged, you get like a rental car, replacement car. He's like, I'm kind of shit out of luck. Yeah. And then he goes, but I still got to pay a mortgage, dude. Right. I still borrowed the money. Yeah, exactly. So I got to call my lender. Do I, do they put me on hold? Like, what are they doing? Right. So he starts like walking through logistics and you're just like, shit. I know. And so as you know, we know that when you're, when you're purchasing a home, your lender requires you to have insurance, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's part of it. And if you don't have it, your lender can actually force place the insurance. Which is significantly more expensive than if you were to go out in the market and get in your own. They're not, I mean, they're a not. lender-based policy, and it doesn't cover you quite the same way that your policy would. Right. It covers the lender, not you. Right. And this was a stat that really blew me away, right? 12% of homeowners in the U.S. don't purchase homeowners insurance. This is a recurring, recurring trend. So a lot of people, who, especially the older crowd, mm-hmm. they're rolling the dice. And I, I was this crazy cavalier. I read a great article I want to say it was Wall Street Journal this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I wish I should have put it in the show notes. About an older gentleman, right, who had decided he was a former attorney, mm-hmm. retired in Los Angeles. I got this quote from that article. Oh. Yeah. Keep okay. going. No, keep going. Retired in Los Angeles, paid off his mortgage. First thing he did, stopped paying for insurance. He's like, fuck it. I'm rolling the dice. And he claims to have saved over like 50 grand, right? And he knows that if something happens, it's catastrophic. He probably can't afford the same home, but he has enough that he saved from that in his savings to get like a nice condo or something like that. And yeah. that's the trade-off that he's making from a risk perspective. But that risk perspective is crazy because what you're not, you know, taking into account, first of all, not a lot of people have the luxury to have their home paid off, number yeah. one. I mean, they live in like a palazzo like you. I mean, you got <laughs> no. upkeep. No, I mean, stop. what's your lawn bill every single month? $70. Wow. See, I don't even have a lawn. <laughs> 70 no, That's really cheap. That's I a hear, lot more lawn I, than I, I got. Hear, I, hear, I hear what a lot, a lot of my neighbors are paying. I'm like, God damn. What's it? Y'all need to get on, on my gardener. He's awesome. But um, no, what a lot of people don't factor in when they when they think about r- rolling the dice like that is first of all your lender is going to force place insurance, so it's going to cost you way more, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing is if something catastrophic does happen to the home, and let's say you know goes to shambles, you're still required to get rid of all that debris. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. And it's usually cutting up the drywall up to where the water level is. Yeah. Pulling out the insulation, pulling out all the uh, all the water damage stuff, ripping out the flooring. Right. And then you got to see foundational issues, cracks, all sorts of stuff. I mean, it is not an easy fix. And then there's the mold I w- and the yeah. fungal like issues. I would not recommend doing what this gentleman did by and this is how he how he saved money. But it's getting to the point where some people they're le- they're left with no option, right? 
mm. to to move move in this direction. Yeah, it, it's a it's a incredibly tragic thing. I was talking to this guy, and I felt my heart went out for him because he's got a daughter who's young. Right, and this um the these the damages with some of these hurricanes. So I got some figures here for the two largest hur hurricanes that we've seen. Right, mm -hmm. if you remember in two thousand five, Hurricane Katrina, that costed approximately a hundred eighty six billion dollars in damages. One eight six billion. One eight six. Wow. Uh, in 2017, Hurricane Harvey, 148 billion. Look, all that, all that, all I'm saying with that is, that could happen. It happened twice in the in the last 20 years, so mm. it could happen again. No, it can't, and it, it's certainly impactful. So when Ruin's back and editing the show, or you're, you're probably gonna edit this one, sucks even more for you. Yeah. Uh, the article from the Wall Street Journal: Are we ready for a 100 billion catastrophe? Or a, how about a $200 billion catastrophe? Mm. What you're referencing here. There's two charts that we're, we should show. The first chart, global insured losses from natural disasters. There's obviously massive, 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 whatever. Natural disasters in 05, in I want to say 2011. Mm -hmm. There's another big one just, be, just in between 15 and 20. I think it was 2018-ish. Yes. And then everything after that, has been way above the 21st century average. Right. So the insurance companies are seeing a lot more natural disasters. They, they are real. Yeah. And when you go to the next chart, which is the number of billion-dollar insured loss events worldwide. So this is not just natural disasters. This is just insured loss events. Yes. Right? This is visibly moving up right. over year over year, and it has the same peaks and valleys you would normally expect. But if you were to... Draw this as a line. It's going like almost 45 degrees up. Mm -hmm. So the insurance companies are, in fact, paying out a lot more. Exactly. Now, I would argue this is what we have insurance for. It sucks for you. You know, you shouldn't say we're not going to insure you. You should keep your premiums in line with that because you're still making money. I bet you if you went to every single one of those insurers, including Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, mm -hmm. they're still profitable, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it remains to be seen what what's going to happen. This is a real problem that I think, if I'm being honest, that Congress is going to have to get involved in. Because you got faith in Congress? No, I don't. I'm just saying that this is something that should be on their table and they should be discussing because this is just one catastrophe away from, I mean, millions of people would be thrown into poverty overnight. Mm. Yes, it's dark. I'm just, it is what it is. So let's, I know that's kind of dark. Let's sprinkle a little bit of positivity. After that, I mean, it's gonna be hard to outdo the darkness. <laughs> um, did you want to like poop or something, or you know, like no. just throw it at me? Or something? I mean, just, no, we're not that big yet. We're not. We're not. We're not like Rogan, where we could be like, hold on, I gotta, I gotta take a pee break. Yeah, he's, he's like, I gotta, I gotta hit the head. Yeah, he just dips out, and he, do, and he knows that y'all gonna still be here when I get back. You know how much production value we provide you guys. Exactly. You don't hear like burps and farts, and we do a lot of that on the show. You don't even know. You don't even. Yeah, he's doing it right now. Generally, yes. <laughs> if you see one of us making a weird face. That's because we're farting. Yeah. Yeah. What's he doing? Mid-show. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut it out later on in post. They'll never know. Although I don't do as much audio editing at all for the video version. Mm. Video version is almost raw. That, that, you're getting us almost 100%. So you should go over to the YouTube channel. Make sure yeah. you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, ring that notification bell, smash it, hook up with it. What do we say? I don't know. Uh, Having have an affair with it. Fuck just, it. Yeah, yeah. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> Treat it like your mistress. Go over Somebody there. Somebody should get some action over there. There. But uh, yeah, the audio there is pretty much raw, straight from the mics, whereas mm -hmm. the audio on the streaming platforms, where I try to think 
about the experience of only hearing it. You're only getting one stimulus. We try to give it to you that way. All right. So I read an article, thought it was important to share. It's from CNBC. Okay. Title is Americans say these three things define wealth. None of them require making a lot of money. So, and as I've gotten older, slightly more wiser or less stupid, as I like to call it, mm. I can say that I think some of these things are absolutely in line with where I found a lot of my happiness to come from. Okay. Uh, more money can make some of those things more attainable, but it goes to show you that you can live a wealthy lifestyle without having a wealthy person's net worth. Anecdotally, that would be about $2.2 million, the survey found, to be wealthy. wealthy. Yeah. As in a salary or as in how much you have in the bank? No, your total net worth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you have $2.2 million, this survey thinks that you were wealthy. Why that number? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Number one, enjoying experiences over owning nice things. Yeah. Would you rather explore a new city with your family or drive an expensive car? Explore a new city with my family. Okay. 100%. Wealthy means enjoying experiences more than owning nice things, according to 70% of Americans. Mm-hmm. Schwab, who put the study study on, found. Number two. Ready? Yep. Not having to stress about money over having more money than people you know. Not having to worry about making more money to keep up with the Joneses. Well, yeah. And what's the best way you can do that is become a financially literate. Mm. Listen to the Higher Standard Podcast. Don't stop listening. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you there. Keep it going. Keep it going. I, I did that whole, oh, yeah, thing <laughs> to my, in front of my son. And then he started saying it back. You may have to provide a little bit of context here. You just, what do you mean I did the oh, yeah thing? Oh, yeah. And they're going to think you did the oh, yeah. No. So I said that as, like, my son asked me a question. I was like, oh, yeah. And then, and then he. I feel like that's a little bit inappropriate, dude. And then he responded back with that same sound. It's just a sound, bro. Don't, don't take Basically, it there's this guy. Uh, what social media platform? Is it Instagram? I don't know. He's go, he goes around. He just asks people, give me an oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it's got roots deeper than that. I don't I don't know where the true source is, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just know that it sounds funny. And then my, my little son, who's four <laughs> years old. Started walking around the house saying it for an entire day. And I looked at my wife and said, we have to be real fucking careful what we say in front of this kid and moving forward. Yeah. The other day, he looked at my mom and my wife and goes, ah, oh, why are you being an asshole? Oh, that's that's straight from your mouth. <laughs> he looked at me like it's my fault. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you call me the asshole. <laughs> yeah. I don't call you the asshole. I call you a bitch, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So we we routinely at the house, so we do a pretty good job of not cursing in front of the kids. But our go-to is, what the? And we, we cut ourselves off right there. Okay, so it's a real problem, though, when Adam's out about going, what the? It's just like people think this kid just talks like this, but he's just restraining himself right mm-hmm. now in the moment. He's like, I'm going to get slapped. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Certain displays of wealth, like lavish weddings on Instagram or luxury buildings in your city, can make you feel envious or competitive about money. But 70% of Americans say that having enough to ease any money stress in their life is more meaningful than having more money than their peers. Yeah, I hope I hope this the the whole wedding thing that goes away for the masses anyways. I know for for a certain por- portion of the population it's a really big deal and if it means a lot to you go ahead and do it. I mean, we did it. Uh we didn't we didn't spend as much as other people that we know. 
But the advice that I give to like to Arun, I was I said, man, it's only six hours. It's six hours. Take that money, go invest it in a house, and throw a party at your house. You'll have so much more fun that way. At the uh, fear of not being honest, but yet not getting in trouble, I will say my brother had a week-long bachelor party in Mexico, mm-hmm. and he's doing a week-long wedding a in week Kauai. A week-long bachelor party? Yeah, they were oh, five days. Yeah, I think wow. About five days. They were in Mexico for five days, and then they came back, and then at the end of this month, will be in Kauai mm. for his wedding for five days. And, um, yeah. And look, I get it. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I get the draw. I mean, it's a really. It's a lot, man. It, it's a big, important milestone in your life, and you want to make sure that you feel like you celebrated it and whatnot. But if you can find a way to be financially responsible, too, you'll thank yourself a whole lot later. True story. My wife and I got married at Courthouse Steps. I remember. I wasn't yeah. invited. You were not. Oh, Yeah. Uh, number three. Wait, pause. Pause for the awkwardness, please. <laughs> number three, having a healthy work-life balance over maximizing your earnings. In a perfect world, you might have a job that pays well and gives you a good work-life balance. I take a little bit of argument with this one. Picking between the two, though, sixty-nine percent of Americans say a healthy work-life balance would mean more to them than maximizing their earnings when it comes to defining wealth. I got to hear what's what's the problem with this. Because I, I tend to agree with this. I know you do. And um, I think that most people would mm-hmm. in theory. But I would say you've been conditioned to believe that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex Hermosi is an, a great example of like he works until he's tired. Doesn't have kids. I get that. That's the That's the part that I lean on. Mr. Beast works until he's exhausted, takes a couple days off. He loves his job. Doesn't have kids. Mm-hmm. However, most of the successful entrepreneurs that I know, like the Uber, like elite successful, have a little bit of that in them. They don't openly are, are braggadocious like that about it. They don't talk about it like that. But they generally don't have a lot of hobbies. I'm always like hesitant to people like the the Ryan Pinedas of the world who are like, oh, you can golf with me. I golf a lot. And it's like, if you're really running companies, like that's your hobby. Like your hobby is running the company. Oh, you 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 would hope that you're doing something that you love. Not a lot of people are blessed with that, though, man. And I recognize this, but here's what I'll tell you: since we were kids, we have been conditioned to be a good employee. Yes. And there's a very tangible, palpable difference between having an employee mindset and having a entrepreneur, business owner mindset. The business owner says, "I'm going to be available. I'm going to get work done. I'm going to find a way." The employee says, I want to be done at 5 o'clock because I have to go home and be with my kids. That is, that is true, and I get that. But here's, here's what, I'll say, what I'll say to that. Okay, if your goal is to grow this business into a successful business, yes, that is the way to get it there. Okay? If that is the number one thing you want. So I saw, I'll never forget, um, Casey made a video about this. Nice that. Nice that. Casey, nice that. And he said, I can lay down the blueprint for you to become the next me. And I'll tell you what you need to do every hour of the day. 99% of people aren't going to do it. They're not going to do it. But look, even and what he said is, I can, I can guarantee you'll get to the other side, you'll become famous, you'll make money off this. But here's the one thing I can't guarantee. Your happiness. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to be happy. He's gone through unhappy times in his life doing it. A lot. He, met, he mentioned it. He said, there'd be times I'd come home and I'd be having a conversation with his, um, his wife, Candace. 
And he said that I'd be thinking, she's talking to me about something very important, but my mind was on the content that I'm making. Like, she's keeping me from recording this, you know, time lapse of the sunset right now. You know, like. And, and I'm not going to lie. I, I honestly do the same thing sometimes with my wife. And I feel terrible about it. I try to not do it cognitively. Mm -hmm. But I've got so, people always say, like, Chris, oh, you got all these things going on, blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you manage it? Dude, I don't sometimes. That's that's the thing, right? It's like it's hard it's hard to manage and we're humans. But the part that I think about when I think about work life balance is man, even someone like me who I I take great pride in stopping to cherish the each moment that I can with the kids. And I look back like my mother-in-law right now as I was driving over to the podcast tonight, sent me a video of her feeding um the kids like a bottle, right? Mm. And talking, and I remember, I even remember the video she sent me, right, when it happened in real time. And I feel like, I still don't feel like I cherished it enough. And it, like, for some reason, I have a really hard time. I can't look back at old photos of the kids. It, like, I don't know. It's To me, it's depressing. Why? I don't know, man. It's it's like, it feels like I, it, it never feels like I gave them enough, even though I know I did. I know I stayed up late hours or I did everything I could to be there or I know that what I'm doing, I'm working hard on this thing over here to provide, right? But you hear those stories about those kids that say, yeah, dad was out there working and he was providing and this and that, but he wasn't there for me. I don't know. I never want that. Yeah, I don't either. But at the same time, there's got to be a happy medium. I don't believe that having being a father, being a husband – means you got to sacrifice being you 100 percent agree and if that means going to the gym and chasing a business passionately mm -hmm. then you got to find a fucking way to do that too you got to be able to do yeah you got to find a way to do it all and there, i mean look there is a lesson to to be learned there look dad wants to spend as much time with you as possible too but i also have to do this and these are responsibilities and this is something that i signed up for for you know there's goals that we want to reach and hit and there's a lesson to be learned there as well so long as you could find that work life balance. So here's what I'll here's the way I'll cap it, right? I think a lot of people what they're really chasing when they look at some of these entrepreneurs is they're chasing a retired entrepreneur's life, not a working entrepreneur's life. Yeah. The people that sell you on social media are selling you on the retired successful guy's life, but they look like they're in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you the common theme that I see with most successful, hyper successful real entrepreneurs, not the bullshit you see on social media. Mhm. Mm they don't want to stop working. Right. They don't want to go golfing with you. They don't want to not do that. That's why most of these guys die, women, die when they stop working. Mm -hmm. They're doing what keeps them alive because they're passionate about the work. They're curious about and, it, right? And don't get me wrong. They have friends, but the circle is very limited because they don't have time to be a good friend. Mm -hmm. They don't have these things. And I, I get it. The, more, the older and older I get and the more experience I get, the more I, I start to figure out that maybe it's not such a bad thing, all the things that have brought me to where I'm at in my life as far as friendships and people around me go. Because, look, I, I look at what I'm unable to do. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that was supposed to be a positive ending, but shit, Sai took it to a very dark place. What, Fucked me? Yeah, no, bro. you, bro. Very dark. You're saying don't have friends and work yourself to the grave. No, no, no. I'm saying if you love what you do, you're going to do that anyway. Yeah, you should, well, you should do it anyway. You're going to want to do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And if you don't, so that that'll still you know. feel it'll still feel like there's a balance there. So long as you love what you're doing. You know, your boy Tim Chiosano left his job today. I did not. That's your hold on. Yeah. I said two words to him. That's your boy. Yeah. Well, anyway, why did he leave his job? I don't know. 
He hasn't told, he hasn't told anybody. He handles like a lot of the the ad stuff in between TV shows, right? What if ad revenues are coming down? No, no. I think he built like a like a hundred person team. It was pretty mm-hmm. pretty big. And no, I think, no, he's a big deal. I think he's transitioning to. If my guess, he's transitioning to creator. I mean, he's good at it. He's very good at it. Yeah. Can you love, imagine if he had more time to do it? I would love to have him on the show. Again, run it back. Come on, Tim. I would ask him, but I let think me that, ask him. That you, he wouldn't know who you are, bro. <laughs> Go ahead. He actually responds to everybody. You could probably DM him, yeah, and he'd probably respond. Really, really good dude. Yeah, he is a good sweetheart. All right, such a sweetie. Odun, you got anything else? No, no. All right, cool. Hey, you know what? Hey, good news. There will be no eating chips and no billy goat sounds. Oh yeah, so uh, the yeah. audio portion of this should take you five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it should, it should. It should be no problem. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Done. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right, you want to hit him with an, oh, yeah? No, I do not. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Bye.